of some fluid. He tapped off about 1.2 litres of this guy's heart. So a 50 mil syringe would really not have cut the mustard. Welcome to the episode 47 of Obzingaini Critical Care Podcast. Not a bad effort. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this week, uh, I'm meeting up or sitting down with Parvesh again, uh, who we did a podcast on uh, lung ultrasound with uh, a few months ago. And... Uh, what are we going to talk about today, Babish? So uh, today we were going to chat about um, echo and echocardiography in, um, or focused echo, I should say, in um, in the perioperative setting and in in the hospital that we work in, which is mainly an obstetric and gynae hospital, and how that is useful to us yeah, that's right. as uh, perioperative physicians and anaesthetists. Yeah, that's right. And so we wanted to um, put a bit of a disclaimer at the start. So you know, obviously, this what we're going to talk about is sort of focused um, bedside echoes which are not uh, at the level of you know comprehensive cardiology reviews oh they uh, don't by no means yeah substitute for but that. just but just how uh, how we've um, discovered this and how useful it is to answer sort of focus questions when you're not sure what's going on or whether someone's high risk or low risk or just various lots of other things and i'm just, personally i am consider myself an enthusiast who's uh, really interested in this whole area but is still really early on in the learning curve and um We've got heaps to learn. Yeah, so. I would second that. That I'm also an enthusiast, and you know, still on the learning curve. And there are times where I have delusions of grandeur when I'm getting a great <laughs> image. However, um, it, I'm soon brought back down to earth. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's a steep. It's a long, steep. Yeah. Learning curve that you know requires dedication. I think. And by no means replaces our cardiology colleagues or the, those great echocardiographers who are, who seem to be who I'm even more in awe of now that I've tried to do echocardiography yeah, myself. I, I agree with Realise how good they are at them yeah, they are, getting images. They are phenomenal. You know. uh, having said that, I'm I've been really surprised even just with my basic level of knowledge now about how re- how easy it has been for me to get some really useful information about things that um, I would never have been able to answer before. I agree. I think even understanding <coughs> the basic. I mean, this sounds terrible. Like it's not. It's like I actually did understand what the heart did, but <laughs> it's like really understanding it in a three D. Uh, sort yep. of imagery and you know how the heart pumps blood round even on a normal heart by looking at it on uh, you know ultrasonographically you really do appreciate things that you never quite maybe admitted to yourself yep sort of understood and you really do get get, get a grasp and grips of um, yeah. of just basic movement yep. and, and and flow of blood i think uh, also the other thing so i had attended uh, uh, an ec- a sort of focus echo school run at one of the other hospitals here in um, in uh, Perth, and just even just doing that makes your ability to interpret and um, understand echo reports and just speak the language of cardiology um, a little bit better as well. So that's another useful thing. So just going to mention, Parvish has encouraged me to mention a brief anecdote. So literally, yeah, we've great. we've been talking about doing this podcast for a, for a while, and I <clears throat> he he texted me, and I've just popped out of theatre, and literally. Uh, uh, in theatre, we've just had a um, uh, a patient who's um, uh, who's in a, in a socioeconomic group that is known to have a high incidence of rheumatic heart disease, and uh, we noticed that um, during her cesarean she was having arrhythmias uh, benign, uh, and so I just decided, well, I know that there's a high incidence of rheumatic heart disease. Let's have a quick look, 
I grab the ultrasound machine, which we've been using in, in uh, theatres this morning, chuck the echo probe on her um, chest while she was holding a baby and talking to her mum, and within about 10 seconds, I, or even less actually, probably about five seconds, I could got a really good picture of her um, mitral and aortic valves, uh, sort of focusing on them. Did a bit of colour doppler and realised that there's nothing wrong with them. Some expert so, image acquisition. That's right. So, you know, not a comprehensive thing, but I basically just thought, okay, I don't think there's anything serious with rheumatic heart disease. Well, the interesting thing is uh, that, that was a question I had. You, the, you, you had a answer. question, and you had a you had a particular question to ask, and you were able to answer it, and therefore focused echo comes into play. Yeah. You know, that, that is exactly what we want to be doing, don't we? As yep. an assistant parent. So obviously, she's probably going to need some some other follow up with. Uh, uh, in regards to the um, rhythm she had, which may just be related to our spinal, but um, it definitely made me relax, and we weren't worried about putting her in a high dependency unit or doing any, or getting worried about her and doing anything special. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to leave most of the talking up to you now, Parvish, because you've um, put together a bit of stuff. Uh, well, I haven't put too much together, but yeah. I've just wanted to mention <coughs> that uh, uh, you know, again, being an enthusiast, uh, um, I'm still on the early part of my learning curve. Um, and I think uh, both myself and Roger and a few other people in the department here and other people that I know we would definitely encourage people to use this this technique or focused echo is definitely being widely accepted and used in other departments like emergency medicine yep. and in ICU and it was in ICU uh, where in our training we do quite a lot um, I first encountered the use of focused echo and I've done a, again a ba relatively basic two-day course that helps you with image acquisition and uh, and learning to interpret very basic questions and asking focused questions and at the most basic level of that would be in a life support situation in a critical in, in a cardiac arrest almost to, you know yep. you know is to see is the heart actually being and you can actually and uh, you know you can find out within seconds if that is if that is the case yeah. Um, uh, and you know that is the most basic level and really that is not that hard to pick up and then the next level up from there is then what we talk about is focused echocardiography and you know with a question in mind and I uh, and I, I've, I've done a little bit of it and I'm still again trying to uh, uh, inverted commas sort of uh, perfect my technique in just the focused echo because there are there are other levels of competency beyond that and that would be the questions that I often ask is um, when I'm doing it. There are sort of the three basic positions that are the parastonal view, um, there is the apical view, and there is a subcostal view. And the subcostal view is limited sometimes in those patients who have either got a large abdomen or a gravid uterus. <coughs> yep. You know, so that can be limited. And maybe sometimes the apical view is limited in in uh, women with slightly large breasts. It can be quite hard to. Or uh, to acquire that image, but you kind of have to get around that. And the questions, I'll go back to the questions that I often ask. Uh, is very very simple. Is the heart beating? Yep. So um, this is just this someone is just who's really unwell. This is someone who's unwell. So you're talking about I'm, critically. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm talking about someone who's critically unwell. I'm not really sure what's going on, and I thought you know this is a non-invasive technique where I can scan this patient for a few minutes and I can try and answer some questions. And the questions I want to ask are: Is the heart beating? Yep. Hopefully there is. Uh, then you want to have a look, uh, usually in the first image you can usually find is there the presence of an effusion or uh, pericardial effusion or 
presence of tamponade, which may yep. be affecting their hemodynamics. And you've got a great uh, anecdote from, from your ICU days. Oh, that old, I do. I do have a great anecdote so, from so that. People, that was, people might be thinking, oh, yeah, tamponade, but how common is that? But in fact, when someone's really sick and... I mean, this, oh, I, yeah. I, had a, I had a patient where uh, I was working, uh, this was back in the UK, where I was asked to review a renal patient um, and, you know, the, the, the renal physicians weren't quite sure what was going on with this guy. And he was kind of unwell, he, he was requiring a little bit of inotropes, and then the renal unit had their own sort of specific uh, HDU setting where they could give inotropes. But they were getting to the point where they were beyond what they were comfortable with. So they asked us to review this patient. And, you know, I had a, had a quick top to toe, and I could not quite work out what was going on with this guy. Yeah. You know, I had a look at a chest x-ray, and I probably should have thought about it then, but his heart did look slightly globular. Okay, and you, we yeah. all know where this is uh, ending up because we've given you the punchline already. <laughs> but anyway, um, um, and in uh, uh, and because I couldn't really work out what was going on, I said, "Right, guys, we will take this guy to our ITU, but can you go via CT and just CT everything?" And you know, which was which is probably not the best uh, uh, way to do things, but uh, we we did anyway. And uh, the radiologist was somehow obliged, and um, and I got a phone call from this radiologist maybe about half an hour ago. He said, this guy's got a huge pericardial effusion. And I thought, what does he know, radiologist? You know, truth be told, when you had a look at, I mean, even in my eyes, uh, this, uh, on the CT, you could see this heart was absolutely engulfed with a huge layer of fluid. Yeah. Um, and by that time, this was, this was basically a chronic effusion that had started to uh, accumulate over a while. Uh, and he started it. Hello, so Graham. I'm just being invaded by uh, Graham. But alien. Say hello to the uh, listeners. And good afternoon, listeners. <laughs> so, in the middle of, middle of my anecdote, uh, so and then uh, and then what happened was um, we uh, and at that time he started to really decompensate. You know, he was he was hypotensive. He had very distended neck veins, and uh, he really needed to sit up. Um, and um, and our centre was not a cardiac centre, and we thought we really need to get a hold of. Uh, we really need to get this patient over to a cardiac centre. Of course. The person that was going to transfer him was me. I wasn't particularly comfortable with that. Um, uh, so um, one of my uh, um, senior colleagues gave me a 50 mil syringe and a big needle and said, well, that should do the trick. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't quite happy with that. Uh, anyway, cutting a long story short, we managed to find a cardiologist in the hospital who had experience in this. So, And uh, he placed an echocardiographic, uh, an echo probe on this uh, person's chest and the subcostal view and all I could see is knowing now that usually in the subcostal position you will be able to see that, you will be able to see the heart beating, all I saw was black and black indicates fluid. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and it was very easy, under direct guidance he was able to insert a catheter and, and tap off some fluid. He tapped off about 1.2 litres of this guy's heart. So a 50 mil syringe would really not have cut the mustard for a 10 minute ride down to the cardiac centre. So, no, but, but still, uh, even a small uh, volume. I think by the time we took off about 200 mils, he said, oh doctor, I feel amazing. Yeah, and uh, uh, and I, said, I, well, I said, I feel better as well. <laughs> it's off. But that was a, uh, one of those things that you, know, you think, that's really made a difference to this guy, you know. So, so, uh, the, yeah, so the, the question, going back to the questions, effusion, tamponade, that was a tamponade, okay. The other thing I want to look at in the focused echo is look at the, the ventricles, yep. okay. The left and the right ventricles, are they enlarged? Are they actually contracting? 
Yeah. Okay. Very simple. Nothing more than that. Okay. Um, and once you've seen a few normal ones, when something's not normal, you know about it. That's you right. really do know about it, you know. And the left side of the heart gives you uh, a, a left and the right side. You would get all the all kinds of information that you need. The other things that you really want to look at is fluid status and um, getting trolled by Graham. <laughs> Graham is making uh, uh, hand signals which don't project very well on the podcast. Yes, um, not rude hand signals, by the way. <laughs> Um, uh, so, uh, and the other thing you want to look at is fluid status, and usually you can see that either uh, by looking at the left ventricle or you can see that by looking at uh, the vena cava. Um, and then if you want to go one step further, some courses would teach you also to look at uh, TAPSI or your uh, tricuspid annular um, uh, excursion, and, yep. and that can give you a good indication of, um, that can give you a good indication of, of um, I can't read it. I can't read that. I can't read it either. Graham yeah. has just slipped us a note, but it looks like it's written uh, written in Croatian. So he's obviously <laughs> that that's a, that's obviously why he got a medical degree. He's yeah. got bad handwriting. So um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I think, I, it's, but just just to say, in terms of focused echo, it, the focused echo is not quantitative. It is qualitative. It's, that's right. Yeah. yeah it, if you're, it will it will give you an answer of whether there is something that doesn't look right. If it doesn't look right, you may be able to respond to it, or you would be you would want further investigation or evaluation by someone who's got uh, uh, who's more qualified to do that. Yeah. Um, and then then that's the answer questions it uh, questions it answers. And an, an an interesting one would be you've got the hypovolemic patient who's tachycardic, who may have a who may have a fever, yep. and you think I've got to give this he, this patient is septic because they're hypovolemic and they're and they're tachycardic. Let's give them some fluids. The fluids does not make this patient better. If you were to do a focused echo, you might reveal a poorly contracting ventricle, which is well filled. Exactly. Yeah. And that sometimes can, well, not sometimes, that would indicate that this don't is... Don't give more fluid, yeah. This don't give more fluid. This is a failing ventricle. So you need to actually completely change tack. And that, in that instance... Inotropes or vasopressors. You want to give out inotropes. Yeah. You might want to actually offload the fluid rather than give fluid. Yeah. There's a, I'm just going to draw people's attention to a really good couple of good articles that I've read. There's one in the BJ Education um, on a focused echo, which talks about that. It does talk about there's one on just uh, on ICU echo and one on focused echo in obstetrics. Yep, we'll put um, a couple of links to those yeah, as well. Because we'll most of those articles are free, aren't they? Yeah. Unless they were in the last couple of years, which goes they're not. I uh, can't remember if that's right. But there are ways to get hold of articles for free. Go back and search the podcast that Graham and I did. Yeah. Oh, we can get it through your college. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in, right. in a legal manner. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that was our focus. Like, and then the, the other, the other, the other thing I wanted to mention was there is a one, there is another competency above that, and that is when you start making measurements and of diameters and doing uh, Dopplers. There is, you know, uh, I think to start with, people shouldn't worry too much about that, and that can actually be quite daunting to. Yeah. Yep. make measurements, try to remember numbers, and uh, that's quite a daunting task. Yeah, uh, so, I th so can I make a comment? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So absolutely. I, think, I think you're exactly right. So I think the devil's in the detail, isn't it? So yeah. um, you have to tread a fine line, so you shouldn't um, be daunted by the fact that you can't be, like, you know, I don't think most of us will ever be, uh, like, as expert as, say, a um, you know, high-level cardiologist or um, echocardiographer, or even perhaps some of our colleagues uh, who do cardiothoracic anesthesia 
and but, but but I don't think we should be put off by that. But we, I think we should still be keen to learn this because um, it can answer simple questions in a timely fashion. When basically you've got a sick patient in front of you, you can't you can't get an, any answer any other way, and no one else is going to answer it for you because let's face it, at two in the morning when someone's septic or yeah, you need, you need. unwell, you're not going to get an echocardiographer or a cardiologist or someone else. <coughs> or if you or if you are, it can take a long time. Yeah. And then but then secondly. Um, you don't want to be an overconfident person who's who draws conclusions when you're not as skilled as you think you are. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite uh, uh, conscious of that, and I try not to overcall things. So yeah. um, so I think you, yeah that, that that's basically how I see it. But I actually see in, in, in real life it seems to work out that they're actually quite complementary. Yeah. Like usually you see something you go oh, I'm not I'm not expert enough to say exactly what it is, but I'm pretty sure that, that um, this isn't right and I'm worried about the left ventricle is not contracting or this valve what looks like it's leaking. And then you get a, uh, someone more skilled to check it out for you. And, Absolutely, and, and but also working if, together if, you were at, if you were in, in, a, in a position at two in the morning where you think you've got a failing ventricle and you know rather than you changing tack from going from a sepsis yep. with giving fluids, if you change that tack and, and respond to that, you will see an improvement in that patient yep. within uh, you know half an hour to an hour yeah that's know? right so uh, you know and that's the kind of the point isn't it where yeah. we're asking a question we're change, we're reacting to what we think we've seen and then hopefully getting uh, a positive right. so, a, a and positive I can't one. remember in the, in the lung ultrasound uh, podcast where I gave my other anecdotes where I had a patient who came in a very unfortunate circumstance and my obstetric patient who uh, was postpartum and septic and uh, had a low blood pressure and fever, and was also having diarrhea, and so she was getting some treatment with fluids because people were worried that she was dehydrated and that was contributing to her tachycardia and her blood pressure, which was about 90. Uh, and I came on for the daytime shift and took over, you know, uh, being you know as part of the team looking after her. And I put her in our HDU, stuck in an arterial line, started some metaraminol, and I had a quick look at her lungs and saw she had pulmonary edema, although it was not sort of florid because she wasn't. Yeah having trouble um, talking, she had low sats and she was tachypneic. And then I had a look at her heart uh, as a very uh, amateur level sort of basic person. I could see that she had severe mitral stenosis because it wasn't opening at all. Uh, and, I was, and she was an um, indigenous patient who was who had strong, lots of other people in her family had had similar things. And so that was a really, you know, that changed the game. We stopped the fluids, gave some those presses, transferred her to another facility that had cardiothoracic and cardiology services. and. Uh, made a huge difference, you know. We could easier tip her into pulmonary edema, I think, if we kept going yeah. down the track we were going down. And that's the key, you're not blinded anymore. You know, yeah. there's a, you know, it's not, uh, it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't give you, uh, it removes some of that veil of, uh, yeah. of, of uh, you know, you know, clinical acumen's really important, but this is an, an adjunct, an important adjunct. And the, the other thing I really want to mention is that with, with the focused echo, um, focused echo and lung ultrasound should go hand in hand. You know, yeah, if you're going to do a yeah, if you do a focused echo on someone who's not well, look at their lungs as well. You know, yep, in all honesty, it's probably an easier technique. If you're already getting to the point where you can see some some part of the heart, you're probably already going to be pretty good at looking at the heart, at the yep. lungs, I should say. I think yeah. most um, anesthetists uh, anyway. I uh, know not everyone who listens to this is anesthetist, but most of us in the anesthesia, um, especially now, are getting pretty familiar with using ultrasound to look for. Um, Nerves and vessels and absolutely so, so so doing nerve box and vessels yeah. and things and so so it's not running, as scary as yeah a, a running a machine and optimizing images and getting things yeah. getting to see things is not that 
bigger step to move to other organs like the heart and lungs. Yeah, the practice is the key though, isn't it? You've got to just try and do, uh, I, mean, I, I try and do at least two or three echoes a week, even if it's a normal patient, you know, and, and I've got to the point where I can go to, um, I can go to either our HDU ward here or go to the theatres and I'll be rolling an ultrasound machine along there, so maybe he comes again, you know, and they all know now that why I'm coming, you know, and, and there's a, you know, the an actual fact, I have to say the, the other nursing staff are actually quite interested in it as well. They, you know, if you sit, I, I try and take the time to, Sort of so. Oh, look, there's the heart. There's this ventricle, and they and they think it's fascinating, um, and and I sound clever, but I'm not really. But you know. But, um, <laughs> All right. But, yeah, I reckon. So I reckon um, we should probably. So if anyone's listening, you know, what what do you think's the best sort of way of getting into this uh, or upskilling? So, so uh, it does take a bit of effort. It does take effort. You've got to be dedicated. You can't think by doing a course you're going to be the you know you're going to be the bee's knees. That is not going to happen. You need to go and do a course, find a local course that's one or two days that tells you about basic image acquisition, posi- yep. optimizing the position of your patient and getting the best images and then just practice. And then also, I would also say, wherever you are, try and make friends with a local either cardiologist or another colleague who's more experienced at this. I was very lucky when I came to this department, there was three or four people who are very, very experienced or are also enthusiasts. And I would got, say the second, enthusiastic, but not necessarily experienced. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, but well, you know, the enthusiasm, uh, you know, counts for a lot, doesn't it? And yeah. also, we've got some. We've actually just got a, a, a new uh, medical doctor who happens to also be a cardiologist, who's very, very supportive. And that's really what we need. You need to be supported, and you need some critique, and really practice, 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 practice. Okay. And go and do a course, then practice. Sounds good, and uh, and there's plenty of nowadays. There's plenty of stuff online courses. You know, a lot of it's about looking at images and interpreting them. And that this with with the way media and, uh, and technology is today, this you can you can look at thousands of echoes on, yeah. on uh, YouTube, on YouTube helps so much. Uh, so you can get good at looking at images and understanding what you're looking at. Absolutely. Uh, the core I have done an online course one two three sonography. No, I don't have any. You know, um, what's the word? Uh, I don't have any conflicts of interest. You know that holiday last year. <laughs> I don't have any conflicts of interest. So, well, I haven't. I've crossed my fingers for no reason whatsoever. No, um, but I found that quite useful. It was quite. It's based in Vienna, and it was um, uh, very. I found it very um, easy to follow, and, uh, and it's based a lot on images and just going through looking at images. So that yeah. helps a lot. Should we wind it up? Have you got yeah, any, any parting comments for the listeners? Uh, I d- uh, um, uh, uh, I mean, we're really talking about people getting into it. You know, I want to reiterate that I'm no, by no means an expert. You know, just get in, go and do a course. Just get on it, guys. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's the it's the next best thing, really. You know, yep. once uh, you've got two or three people in your department or your hospital you who, know, who do it, uh, yeah. who, who are also interested, and then you just feed off each other and it keeps going. Yep. Avalanche. That's it. Yep. Yep. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.opsandguinecritcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time.